0: Hey recruiters, this is Nathan and welcome to episode two of the Content Recruiter. So this week we were talking about how recruitment teams are optimizing their activity based on a quantity approach. Why that needs to change and how you can start to make that change. So enjoy the show and we'll see you next week. This is the Content Recruiter Podcast.
1: talk about okay so uh in the first yeah for our first conversation we started talking about qualitative and quantitative data we we did which are very different um and then we kind of saved it uh we decided to save it for today so i i I don't know i i i want to have the conversation about like what do those two things actually mean what matters more how you get that that information and then how you put it, put it to use. Because um, I think in any, any industry that is like is data-driven, um, they rely heavily on numbers. It's like the, the stuff that shows up in a nice little dashboard. There's a ton of software that it, uh, recruiting, sales, anybody marketing can, can buy that like, measures all the things that are trackable with software. Um, but I don't, I've never really thought that that is really, uh, telling, it's not telling the right story. It's not actually, uh, measuring human behavior. Um, which then I guess like that will lead into like talking about attribution and and things like that, you know? So, um, I definitely want to talk about that, but then who knows where that conversation will take us.
0: Yeah. Um, I had a thought on this today, so I think if you look at most... Uh, maybe not most, I think a lot, a lot of applications will come via job boards and paid media, but if you went on to look at analytics through the career site, I think a lot of recruitment teams are seeing applications come via a career site. I'm not convinced that's where people are finding the companies
1: though. No, they're not, nobody's and searching by- for a career site. I, I mean, they they're. they're- And if they are searching for a career site they're searching for it because they saw information about that company somewhere else so uh so they might they might see an ad or they might listen to a podcast with somebody from that company on it they might like who knows there there might be some these other connections these other things that are going on in the in in their in a person's world and then they'll go like oh it'd be I'm looking for a job. I would love to work for them. I love their product, whatever. And then they would Google company jobs, go to career site, read some stuff, whatever, and then apply. But then, but what that company is tracking is they're tracking last touch attribution, which goes, which says to them, oh, people are going to our career site and applying. Which, yes, sure, technically they are, but what they should really be doing is figuring out how to. Track and measure all the other things that took that person to Google company name career site and go
0: down that path, which is usually all the stuff that can't that that can't be tracked or is is much more difficult to track. Aside from difficult. paid media, yeah, um, I um, I'm quite interested in this because we i like, I've, I've not met too many recruitment teams that invest heavily in SEO, but I imagine just to your point there that most candidate experiences if they are. Um, applying through the career site will probably be, the the, the, the attribution will probably be um, delivered towards Google. And so they'll probably be given a lot more credit to SEO than, than is actually like needed because that had nothing to do with it. And that's if they're doing a good job with brand because I guess people are then hitting Google and going, okay, careers at Lego, for example. Clearly a brand like Lego, people have got um, an affinity with them probably want to work for, but if you've got like an SME pumping out content or a mid-market company pumping out content and companies are going via Google to search for that careers page, and actually you're doing a pretty good job, aren't you? But y- you just need to get clear on where the attribution sits.
1: Yeah, right. And, uh, I mean, okay, geez, this is now, now making me think of something else where, uh, okay. I'm just going to use podcasts for an example. Uh, there's podcasts for everything, right? But like, let's say you're, a, let's say you're a salesperson, and you're listening to a sales podcast, where you know sales leaders are interviewed on a regular basis, and like you really get to like dive in. The reason I like podcasts is because you get to like get inside somebody's mind, and you get to hear how they think, and there's like a lot of context and nuance, and like they can expand on thoughts. So like, let's say you're there and you, and you hear like a VP of sales talking about things in a way that like really resonate. They might be at a company that like you've never heard of, or maybe you've heard of them, but you haven't paid that much attention to or whatever. And you go like, I'm a sales rep. I want to work for a smart sales leader. That person sounds like they really know their stuff. And I want to see, I want to see if they're hiring. right? And then you go and you go down the path of of applying. That in the traditional sense, that VP of sales being on that podcast is not seen as employer branding. It's not. But what it just did was it just drove a very high intent lead to the recruiting team. Right? And so Again, man, I, I've been, like, on this kick of, like, we're having the wrong conversations, but Jesus, like, we're having the wrong conversations because, like, you look at, like, all this activity and, and stuff that's, like, being talked about in these, like, in the space of employer branding and recruitment marketing or anything like that, but nobody's talking about, like, how do we get our VP of sales on, like, more sales podcasts because, like, sales reps who are into, like, professional growth are the one, are the audience there. And that's just like probably one example of 10 that we can come up with.
0: It it's yeah, that's a really good idea. By the way, like if I'm a TA leader listening to this, I'm getting in touch with every podcast host in the sales space tomorrow. And I'm like, can we get, I'll oh, just, and no I get, off.
1: oh, and get your CMO on every marketing podcast and your yeah. like CTO or head of eng on every, like. It sh- they should. There should be like a massive PR push to get your your leadership team on as many podcasts as possible. Because like, one, that it's like it's a direct connection to to like the perfect audience. But then, in addition to that, think about all the additional content you're getting. You're getting audio of them talking that can be like then marketed. You're getting probably video because like we record all the stuff from video. To, I mean, you're getting like, there's so much content that could be repurposed too.
0: Yeah, there is. And, and you know, this is kind of funny because when we talk about this approach, there's a, I always feel with this approach that there's always this mindset of, oh, but if we try and build brand and build trust, it takes much longer than just making hires via sourcing. Do you get that feeling as well?
1: Yeah, there's. I again, though, like, I. I don't think that's necessarily true.
0: No, I I don't, because I think. I think that's the perception, but you can actually like you can clearly accelerate that, so if if your VP of sales is appearing on the sales podcast or the SDR podcast or whatever and just giving lots of value away to the to the audience, You then go get that clip and you can accelerate how many people see that or listen to that clip with paid social. So that then becomes sourcing at scale without someone throwing crappy automated messages in front of SDRs who've got a really loud inbox. And then for me, that's just a whole different level of connection. And then what happens after they view that video is they maybe go to a landing page And your VP of sales makes him or herself available once every two weeks for a drop in event for SDRs to come along and ask questions and they connect again. And from that piece of content, you can then put more paid social out. Like it just, it never ends. And it really doesn't have to be this difficult. You know, what's great. you You know, what's interesting is I don't, I often feel with, Like people aren't commodities and the people that are trying to build really solid careers are actually quite intentional about the moves that they make. Like I've got, you've probably got friends who are the same. I've got friends who are the same. They, they receive an approach from a recruiter and they're like, actually, if I leave my company now, then this might happen and we're growing. But if I go to this company, this might happen. And and..." so they're very, very thoughtful about the next move that they make. Um, and and that's clearly like the mindset running through people that are trying to build real solid careers. So when you see message one from a recruiter or a sourcer saying, I'm gonna drive an action here. Hey, Nate, we've got a VP of marketing role available. Wanna join us, here's a salary. Or when they say, or when they're trying to create urgency before education and they're trying to push you through this this funnel before you're even close or remotely close to being ready. You compare that approach versus this whole value-added content stuff, the brand building stuff, the, hey, come along to this event that we're hosting stuff to come and improve your skills. These are just worlds apart, aren't they?
1: I mean, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's weird, like, isn't it weird when you, when you stop and think about it, like the, uh, just like the, the behavior.
0: What, wait, what's weird? Like how stupid recruitment activity actually sounds on the face of it when you break yes, down the activity. That's what I'm yeah, talking what, about. Yeah. Like or, when you,
1: when or, you really think about it. Yeah. But, uh, it's almost like there's just, there's just like one way to do it. Like the way to do it is like somehow like build a list, put together like some kind of cadence with copy and like reach out to as many people via a message channel as you can. And like that feels like the motion.
0: Sequences. That's it. Put a sequence together because that'll save us loads of time, right? You know, you, yeah. if, you, if you can't, if you're not getting responses from in-demand talent, all you have to do is put a five email sequence together, because by the end of email five, they're definitely going to email you back aren't definitely. they? and commit to joining your company. This was totally sarcastic, by the way, that's definitely not going to happen. But I I, I think I, I made a comment earlier, I think it was last week, that the mindset of recruits at the moment just doesn't align with the mindset and the journey that candidates actually go on to make the right decisions. They're no. going through totally different emotions like through the whole process.
1: Yeah, it's like a push and
0: pull um, thing, isn't it?
1: It really is. Um, oh, I had another idea when you were talking. When we were talking about like the podcast and the and the biweekly event and stuff. Yeah. What, what if like we'll we we'll just keep sales as the example, but it translates to any function. But w- what if a what if a sales leader every week carved out a chunk of time and just did like open office hours for uh, for reps where they could just like schedule time and they could just like talk shop and ask questions. And it was just like purely like a, uh, a learning and development play. You're like professional growth where sales reps from outside can talk to, a, talk to this sales leader, no agenda, no nothing, just like there to like give back to like the, the sales community. Um,
0: Love it. What, what, what if you added a bit of drama to it and you were like, we're going to go and get all of, our call, all of our sales calls, recordings off gong and our VP is going to critique them live and they're going to be totally anonymous, like we're not going to talk about yeah. which rep was doing this. Or, or you, or you just, uh, just go get creative. How long have we been talking about this? I know. Two, two minutes? <laughs> I, I, think, I think they're, pretty, they're two pretty solid ideas that would drive... An audience of sdrs to come along and watch
1: okay but here all right so here's the thing this sales leader or this or this engineering leader or this marketing leader whoever needs to realize and believe that their number one job is hiring and most of them don't most of them think that their number one job is to sell more or market more or build more product or whatever but um i don't believe that it is i believe that if uh if you're if you're a leader of a department your number one job is is talent and uh i didn't i i actually like i didn't know that until it was it was taught to me by a cto who i really really value um and it was taught to him by somebody really well-known, you know, uh, in his industry. And it was kind of like this, uh, this mindset was passed down. And he, and he told me, he said, the number one job of a CTO is to hire. And I was like, whoa, I've never heard of that before. But if you have that mindset, then, all, then it opens up all of these like ideas. You're looking for ways to get creative about hiring. But I think like a lot of these people, they're like, you know, they're so focused on the job. It's like why, like employer brand folks have such a hard time and so much conflict with marketing teams or marketing leaders, because marketing leaders don't give a shit about employer branding, because in their mind, like my job is to drive more revenue. It's not to like hire better people.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. Um, you just took me back to a story that I read on a Facebook community either last week or the week before, which literally blew my mind and made me realize that this industry is so far, sometimes beyond help, that I'm not sure it can be saved. And that sounds dramatic. And we should probably use that as the intro for every single podcast we ever do in the future. (laughs) But bear with me. So this was a, a recruiter, who is struggling to hire store assistants in the US. And it's got to the point now where the leadership team have got involved, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the leaders, I don't want to give the title away because I genuinely can't remember and it would just be me making that up, but senior leader in a business recommended that because applications weren't coming through at the velocity they needed to make the hires, they recommended that the recruiter goes to competing stores to the store and go and speak to colleagues in that store to try and headhunt them out of their job live on the shop floor. Ooh. And this recruiter had literally gone into the group to go and get some feedback on the idea. It was just like, you could see, you could see like, they clearly weren't sold on it. Um, I forget the term, the the um, <clears throat> the C-suite used. I think it was something like spear fishing as opposed to a different kind of fishing. Um, but that was, the, that was the idea. And... Like, could you imagine being that recruiter could you imagine being the the person in the store that a recruiter's approaching and, and do you know what's scary about this is that there were other recruiters jumping into the conversation going that's not the worst idea ever <laughs> yeah that's true headhunting. yeah that's true relationship building i'm like are you fucking mental yeah oh. are you- you are you you're just mental? if someone came to where I worked and was like, "Hey, I'm from a competitor well, first of all, I'd be creeped out. I'd be just totally it's just weird, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is you don't weird.
0: Know. it's just weird, you don't know me you I, like just don't do it, just don't go into a competitor's store and start headhunting stuff um so that that's that's scary um but it goes back to to your point there that actually until leaders get fully immersed in what recruitment is and where it's at today and they truly fully understand the challenges recruitment teams go through, um, how is it ever gonna change?
1: Right, everyone's just gonna be so like stuck in their lane. Mm. And it's almost like this, uh, it feels like this like just like cover your ass or like save your job mentality. Like if I I don't just say like so focused on meeting my goals, then it, then I'm at risk. But like, it's just, there isn't this, uh, I, I really do, I, I think like, it sounds, God, it sounds so cliche, but uh, when you unlock this, this uh, belief that hiring is everybody's job, which sounds so like kumbaya, right? It sounds like, oh, this like great, like, way to be but i mean but truly like if if hire, then it it opens up creativity otherwise like really like what you have is like you have you have recruiting teams that are like brute forcing their way into conversations to like try to like meet these huge goals and you have everybody else doing their thing and there's just like this really big divide um i don't know that's it feels like that's like that's where a lot of it needs to start. Um, should we get into the data part?
0: Yeah, yeah, I um, yeah, I, I don't really have, yeah I, yeah. We should. I don't really have much to add to it. The only thing I would say is I know this process isn't fun for recruiters either. It's volume led. It lacks predictability. It's just boring and monotonous. It's this. Hacking mindset, which I know some recruiters enjoy. They love going onto platforms. They love hacking people's data. They love doing all that yeah. crap and trying to force people through a funnel. But um, quality has to has to lead. And actually, it's just going to be better for recruiters' mental health if they are able to establish this cadence with content and, and senior leaders in the business and become a true advisor to senior leaders about the value of of um, becoming consistent with with creating and distributing content across the right channels it's just going to make their life so much easier, isn't it?
1: It is. And, uh, you know, I, I posted about this today that the current model isn't serving either side of the, of, of the market here. It's, um, there's like, there's so much friction and so much expectation placed on candidates just to get them to the point of of having a conversation i mean the the hoops that a candidate needs to go through just to get a conversation and if we're talking about really high demand talent they don't even know if it's if a conversation is worth their time they're like doing their best job at guessing um and i would probably i'd probably guess that like most of the time it's not worth their time but um and then if you have a candidate who applies through like traditional channels like sometimes that process is brutal with with like not even knowing if you're ever going to get to a conversation and then and then what you have is like we talked about last time is you have recruiters who are you know cranking out messages who are dealing with like high volume of applications there's like there's so much friction on their side as well um what we what we really need is like we need to move in the direction of lower volume higher quality um I, I think it just creates a, a a vastly better experience for everyone, for for everyone. What,
0: What, what's the, um, what does that look like from a data perspective? Okay. So you need to know, you need to know what more,
1: what to do more of and what to stop doing, um, because. So all right, all right. Let's let's get into that. I'm just gonna leave it there. So let's get into that. So with the the I feel the the way to know what to do more of is to understand what people care about and what what's like what's driving them to wanna apply or look at your company or any of these types of things. Um, but then, but knowing like what they click on and how they get to a recruiter isn't necessarily that. But if, but if you hear from a, from a candidate, oh, I heard so-and-so on a podcast, or I read this blog post, whatever, or I, or I heard, or I learned about you in this, uh, in this job, job seeker Slack community that I am in, or like whatever it might be, like if you know how they heard about you, then you can start looking at doing more things like that. But a lot of times that's like th- that first, like how did you hear about this thing is like totally missed. Um, but it, it, what I just described requires asking the right questions and it requires a conversation and it requires like actually actually caring about human behavior and not just thinking that software can track human behavior because I, for example, I was on a call earlier today with a, a recruitment, like a, uh, I believe her title was talent, is talent marketing, something like that. But uh, anyway, I was asking her like, what are the things that you measure? Like, what what are you what are you judged on? How do how does the company know that your job is like is worth it for them? Um, and she said, time to hire and pipeline. And I said, okay, but you know that if a candidate were to come in and they were to tell you like why they applied and what what made them want to like seek you out and those types of things, that that information is vastly more valuable than the speed at which you take them through a process and how many candidates are in your pipeline. And she said, yeah. And I go, but that stuff's really hard to measure, right? And she goes. It's really hard to measure, and I'm like, okay, but th- that doesn't mean you don't measure it. Just because something's hard to measure doesn't mean you don't measure it. What it takes is like getting out of this mindset of like I'm gonna go present a fucking spreadsheet that has like ten different metrics on it, versus I'm gonna I'm gonna put together feedback into like a document and find themes and then like really understand. The process that candidates go through to become interested in working for, for us. And then I'm gonna like take that and put it into like a concrete plan that is gonna like meet them wherever the hell they are. It's like a, it's a completely different thing. Um, but I just feel like one's like a, numbers are very comforting um, and they're very convenient. Um, and it's easy to manipulate numbers to tell the story that you want to hear um that's a bomb but but you can't manipulate actual feedback from somebody
0: yeah um wow there's a lot to think about in that right
1: you know there's like uh, uh okay so there's uh i don't want to like uh i'm not trying to like toot my own horn here but um i think the reason why for me that this what i'm not good at is i'm like i'm not good at numbers um so so i am not like the traditional data driven person that uh that most people would think about Like, um, I don't like, I don't look at dashboards and look at like those types of numbers, but what I do pay a lot of attention to, and I always have is like this other type of feedback because I'm a, because I'm obsessed with connecting dots. Like it's just who I am. It's how I roll. I, I always have been is like when, for example, now when somebody comes into BYA and wants to talk about like working with us. For for like a sales, from the sales in the sales process, Um, I'm obsessed with their path to get to us, and I always have been. And I like I force the issue. Like I really do. I force the issues with people so I can like find out like really how they, you know, came to us. You know, but it's just like it's so interesting to me to go like oh they heard about us from this person and then they looked at this or then they messaged me or they, whatever, you know, and like you connect these dots and you're like, Oh, okay, great. The stuff that we're doing is actually working or it's making sense or, Oh, this is something I haven't thought about. And like, maybe we should start paying attention to like something over here, you know, whatever it might be. But, um, you know, when I, when we got enough feedback that our buyer buys a certain way, certainly doesn't buy another way we just do more of what they want like they just straight up tell us like i don't know why that isn't going on it go ahead i'm just rambling now go ahead
0: no it's good this is good because i I, i've been thinking about this for a, a long time and i don't know if i'm about to like end my career with one sentence because i feel like this goes against the grain of of like the way the world is at the moment. And I'm not dismissing the value of data, but is data having so many data points is it overrated and is that to the detriment of truly understanding human behaviour and the way your audience actually feels? Are we are we leading too much with um with data to make the calls that we need to make around sort of talent attraction generally. And I don't know what, I, I should probably set more context for that. <clears throat> and I'm, and I'm not sure what that might, what that might look like, but like just off the bat, do we, do we think that's the case? Like, you know, when, when I don't know why this example came to my head, but when I think about like how, candidates feel when they land at a careers page that's been delivered by Taleo and they have to do that ridiculous process of having to sign in or create an account to apply for a job. Someone somewhere at Taleo has said they have to. to. There can be no other reason for it. Someone somewhere at Taleo has said our data shows that if someone is willing to set up an account they're 90% more likely to go through the process, or or whatever nonsense that sentence might look like. Like, and you and I know that the amount of people that actually drop off that process, I mean, everyone in the industry knows the amount of people that drop off that process when they hit that box, which says, set up an account here or whatever it says, um, is going to be huge. So I don't know, do we think data just drives too many decisions?
1: D- or I think it drives the wrong decisions, but uh, I mean, there. Okay. <laughs> you have to be if you want to be like truly effective, um, and, and like always be adapting. Um, you you have to be obsessed with with understanding your audience. And it like, that's a really agreeable talking point, right? Like anybody in like any form of marketing or sales, whatever, would like agree, yes, we have to be obsessed with our audience. But like agreeing with it and then putting it into practice on an ongoing basis is a completely different thing. like, I, again, like, I feel like, yeah, here I go. I'm just going to use myself as the example. It's, like, the example that I have. But it's just the way that I do it. I, like, um, I skew perhaps too far, maybe, to, to one end, where where I spend almost all of my time, as far as, like, conversations go, talking to our, our audience. Um, but in a very different way. Like, I'm talking to them because like I like to, I'm connecting with them. I'm learning about our industry. I'm always like figuring out, finding out new problems, whatever. And I spend, that's like where we've decided that at least as of now, I mean, it's been going on for a couple of years, but like, that's the best use of of my time because what it does is it informs everything that we do. So it it informs like how we sell things. It informs how we go to market. It informs our product. It informs like a, a whole lot of of everything that we do and now at like this point it's like it's almost like the team looks to me like or or like that behavior drives like what the team does you know and so um i i kind of wish i i and i realize like it takes up an incredible amount of time um so maybe, like, I'm not the best example, but uh, how can more of that come into play? And maybe dude, dude, maybe recruiters don't, don't care. And, like, it, maybe that's just the reality. And, like, recruiters just really don't care about uh, being obsessed with their market because their job is to fill a fucking role. And, like, I'm going to fill a role, and that's my job. Like, I'm a recruiter, you know, or I'm a salesperson. Maybe, maybe, is- maybe,
0: maybe that's how hiring managers feel as well.
1: I mean maybe it is and maybe I'm just like I'm talking about stuff that like these people don't care about, but uh I don't know. Maybe that's just I, the reality that I don't really
0: no, Yeah, Yeah, I, I struggle to believe that hiring managers don't want to attract better people. And I'm and I'm I'm not suggesting they're not attracting great people right now, but Like You know when you're under the gun as a hiring manager and you need to make hires and you've got a budget coming up at the end of the year and you need to fill roles and all these things are are going around your mind that, um, that you probably let's go back to sales. So I remember working with a sales manager who literally had to fill roles before the end of year budget or they'd risk losing budget going into the next year because they'd already hit target. So the C-suite were going, well, you've hit target. Why do you need that many people? And obviously, the answer is, well, you can scale more people. The other, yada. but like their MO for the next few weeks became, let's fill these three roles quickly. Let's just get them filled, and I can develop yeah. people when they come in. Yeah, I don't know. Going back to the the whole examples at the beginning of the at the beginning of this um, of this conversation. It's like, if you just invested the time to help build that audience, I think, I have a suspicion that your training and development time when these people join you is actually going to be massively decreased. It is. Everything's going to get easier. The onboarding's going to get easier. The desire for the salespeople to join you is going to get easier. When the salespeople join you, they're Probably immersed in the sales world, which is why they're watching SDR based podcasts or clips online and they enjoy what they do. So when they join you, they've, they've already got that affiliation um, with sales and, and they enjoy what they're doing. Like everything gets easier for everyone.
1: Well, and, and you're going to be like, okay, there's such a difference. W- when you get onboarded, you go through this like process of like learning learning about the product. And you usually, you usually have people, or, or product or service, and you usually have people in the company who are talking to you about the thing that you do, or the thing that, that you as a company do. And all the ins and outs of that, of that thing, however it applies to the role that you're playing. Who's, who is talking to you on a deep level about your industry? And about the people that you're serving, and about like, they, about like that type of thing. There, like that, there's very, very little of that. And so what you have is you just have, you have this like continual like recycling of this like echo chamber. Is like it's all about us. It's all about the thing that we do. It's all about how we're different or whatever. And there's none. There's no like subject matter experts talking to you about on a deep level about like the industry you're in and the market you're serving and the psychological, be- or like the behavior of the people who are buying your thing and like all this kind of stuff, which is, the- all of that knowledge comes from being like embedded in your market. Like it's, uh, it's, it's just like a different way of, uh, a different perspective. Um, and, and then you get what you get is like, you get people who come in and who are rah-rah and excited about your product which is short-lived, like being excited about a product is really, really great, but <laughs> that only lasts a period of time until, you've, until you realize that there's flaws with your product, and, or that it's hard to sell, or that whatever it might be, you know? Like, but, but when you can get really, really excited about changing something bigger than that in your industry or whatever, like that's where things can get really sticky. Um, but I don't know, man, I, I think like my, my thing, like the, the thing that I'm like pretty frustrated about is I, I feel like people just live in their echo chamber and they don't spend, uh, because it's comfortable and they don't spend enough time talking to, to their, the outside part of the world that they're in enough. And
0: no, I, I agree. What, yeah. what, um, i'm going to make a suggestion for anyone that listens to this and that is if you are a recruiter who is hiring sdrs bdms whatever field salespeople, go and have this conversation with your vp of sales tomorrow and don't be shy about saying you're the subject expert in this space as a recruiter i cannot be responsible Going to hire tech talent, going to hire sales talent, going to hire marketing talent. Like it's just not fair to put those expectations on a recruiter who doesn't have the technical expertise from any of those disciplines. They may have done it in a previous career or life or whatever. But go speak to your VP of sales and just encourage them to. start appearing on podcasts or well, better still go and spend 20% of your time teeing up podcasts and go and speak to hosts and just be like hey our VP of sales wants to come along to talk about how we've taken a company from 2 million ARR to 8 million ARR in the last year and then go present it to your VP of sales and just be like look from this we can get five micro clips which we're going to distribute on social which is then going to lead into an event that you're hosting like once or twice a month and just go test it. Like, what, what what's going to happen, Nate, if you go and test that concept? Someone's going to what invest five six hours. Yeah. What's the worst I mean, that's going to happen?
1: The worst. The worst that would happen is that I don't know. Nobody nobody cares about it. I mean, like you know what I mean. Like you uh, like like the audience. Like you you don't get anyone to attend an event or whatever. I mean, that's the why I don't even know how that's a bad, why that's a bad outcome. I,
0: I can, I can tell you what will happen. And I guarantee this to any recruiter listening today, the VP of sales will say, holy shit, that recruiter's really trying to make a difference in this business. And then the VP of sales will go to the leadership team and say, look at what they positioned to me, look at what they did. And you're going to instantly build more credibility in the business if you if you try these things, because really, we're all testing, aren't we? Really, we're all testing concepts. We're all trying to test things to see what works, um, and nobody really knows until you actually until you actually do this stuff in terms of what's going to happen. Like you've got an idea, you know the model, you know the framework, you know that you've got to solve someone's challenge, you know you've got to hit a certain audience, um, but anything beyond that really is is testing content format. I don't know, um, content type, oh. everything else is is on is on um is on the table, isn't it? So um what are the things that people take away from this, mate? So the first one is go test.
1: Go test. Um be uh be obs- obsessed, I guess if that's the word, um, with connecting dots. Uh that's the best way for me to describe it, is like Connect the dots that get people, you know, to the, to the point that you ultimately want them to be at. Um, just, yeah, that's it. And then, and have conversations, have ongoing conversations with the market that you're trying to serve.
0: Nice. Like it. I'm going to add one more for good measure. Like, don't be too concerned if you cannot measure exactly what's happening. During the process of people coming to hit apply to your roles.
1: Man, and I think like whoever it is that you're reporting this to, they need to, they need to like be, they they need to understand that people don't fit into a dashboard. Like we're people, you know, and like, and they need to be okay with like, with getting feedback in a way that isn't just on a spreadsheet that is like here are indicators that we're doing the right thing this candidate met, mentioned that they saw this somewhere and it drove them uh, to check out our career site like
0: you you you're going to you're going to like hypothetically recruiters are going to listen to this they're going to tee up their VP of sales to go appear on a podcast from that podcast they're going to get their micro clips and they're going to advertise on Facebook. Okay, they're going to put some paid media on Facebook. An SDR, somewhere in the world, preferably in the right location, is going to see that ad. They aren't going to act, or maybe they will act, maybe they sign up. But they're also going to go into work the next day. And they're going to meet all the friends that they have on their current SDR team. And they're going to be like, Oh, I signed up for an event next week, where a VP of sales is teaching me how to handle objections. And then all those SDRs, potentially one, two, maybe all of them are going to come along to that same event. Like, good luck trying to put some attribution against those signups because you just, you can't, because you don't yeah. necessarily know where they've come from. But it'll be pretty clear, like, what's happening. And so, yeah, that that's the only thing I would add. Like, don't become obsessed with the data because sometimes it's just, it's funny what you can, what, what story you can, you can tell using data when you really want to tell it. Okay, um, it's so true. You should be obsessed, obsessed with people,
1: not obsessed with data.
0: For sure. Be obsessed with solving challenges and that's like, that's it. So right. cool. Should we wrap it up? Yeah. We're doing an episode three. We made it.
1: Yes, of course. <laughs>
0: I think we should commit to doing this every week for a year at least. I'm in. Awesome. Nate. It's so much fun. All right. Love it. Good to speak. All right, brother. Thanks.